When I was in 10th grade, our high school took a class trip to New York City. And it, it was my first time to New York City. Come on, you know the high school class trip, right? You get the big charter bus, y'all get on there, you go do all this touristy stuff. Well, I'll never forget, on this trip, we're in Battery Park, and we're waiting for a ferry that's going to take us to Ellis Island and to see the Statue of Liberty. And as we're waiting in line for the ferry, there's a handful of guys walking around, and some of them have trench coats, others have briefcases, and, and what are they doing there? They're selling watches. Rolex watches. Now, now what, what is it that you know about a $20 Rolex? It's not real, right? It's not genuine. It's fake. It's, it's, a, it's a knockoff, right? And you can buy one. You can buy a $20 Rolex if you want to burn $20. But you need to know what is it that you're, you're getting. It's a fake. Now, shift with me here to the idea of faith. When it comes to the idea of faith, and again, faith is simply confidence and trust, like, Faith equals confidence and trust. When it comes to the idea of faith, when it comes to the idea of faith in Jesus, or confidence in Jesus, or trust in Jesus, or following Jesus, and again, here at Miami Church, we're all about helping people find and follow Jesus, right? When it comes to faith, what is it that we're looking for, right? We want real. We want authentic. We want genuine. We don't want the, the $20 fake faith, right? No one wants that. Even if, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't want that. In fact, I've got a great friend here in the Gables who's not a believer. He doesn't believe Jesus, the cross, resurrection. Not, not too much for me, Greg. I'm, not, I'm just not sure. I don't know. I don't buy that. He does not believe. But you know what? He's a good friend of mine. And he says, Greg, I want your faith to be real. I want it to be genuine, authentic. I believe that you believe. And as followers of Jesus, we want our faith to be real, to be genuine, to be a strong and determined faith. But how do you know? How do you know if it's the $20 Rolex version or real? How do you measure it? Like, what if I told you that you can know? What if I said we can know? You can measure your faith. You can actually measure your confidence and trust in Jesus. There are actually indicators. In fact, one of the best, if not the best indicators of your faith is your prayer. How we pray, what we pray, the content of prayers, the size of our prayers. Now, statistically in the United States, the majority of people say that they pray. Maybe you're like, well, Greg, it's great. Prayer, awesome. I'm just not good at it. Or no one's really taught me how to pray. Or, or you know, I know I don't pray often. Enough. And I'm definitely not praying out loud in front of people. But the reality is that honestly, if we're honest, if I'm honest, most of our prayers here in the United States, they kind of seem boring. I mean, you're bored, and if you're bored, surely like, God's got to be bored. I mean, most of our prayers are kind of stuff like this, like, well, keep me safe and protect me, and oh, bless me, and, and oh, God, would you just be with us? And I just imagine when we, when we pray prayers like that, God's like, be with us? Like, really? I mean, that's, that's what you got? Uh, that's done. I, I already have answered that prayer. 
In fact, Hebrews 13, 5, quoting from the Old Testament, Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never desert you. By the way, never means never. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 to his followers. He says, so you must go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have been commanded you. And look at the last line. And you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. You don't need to pray. Be with us. Done. Already promised. I'm here. See, these seem boring verse. Our prayers are an indication of our faith, our faith in Jesus. See, small, safe, boring prayers indicate a small faith, while big, bold prayers indicate something completely different. And here's the reality. Following Jesus was never meant to be saved. Following Jesus was never meant to be boring. There was a Greek medical doctor by the name of Luke, and he did a thorough investigation of Jesus and the the whole idea of Jesus and the followers of Jesus in the first church. And he wrote a letter that became known as the Book of Acts. And in that letter, he records the story of the beginning, of the, the, the genesis of the church. And, and, and one of the key indicators, one of the ways we know whether or not the church is still on mission, that we're still aligned with that first church, is, is, is the church still a movement? Is, it still, is the church still on track? Is the church joined in with God's activity? The, one of the ways that we know is how the church prays, specifically how the leaders of the church pray, how people of the church pray. It's, it indicates whether or not the church has strayed from its original intent, how we pray. How I pray. Do we pray $20 Rolex prayers? Or do we pray something completely different? And so Luke, he records this story of the first church. And what's interesting is if you read it, he also records the first prayer of the first church. Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4. Now, I don't have time to read the entire story, but, but the summary of it is this, that, that on day one of the church, 3,000 people embrace the idea that Jesus is the Son of God. And there's all of this energy, and there's all these people who've gathered in Jerusalem for this Pentecost. And, and Peter and John, they go to the temple, and there's a guy who's crippled, who's been crippled from birth, and, and, and all of these thousands of people are there, and, and they heal this guy, and like thousands of people believe. And so here's the city of Jerusalem. It's, it's probably got like sixty to 70,000 people in it, and now 10% of the people have said yes to Jesus. And so all the religious leaders, all the temple people, they're all, they're all disturbed because they're turning the city upside down. And so they get Peter and John, they throw them in jail, and then the next day they bring them for questioning and Peter stands in front of these religious leaders, and he, he preaches to them about Jesus, and he, and he says this line, Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no other one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which mankind must be saved. Jesus, the guy you had crucified, he's alive. I've seen him with my own eyes, and he is the only way to God, the only way to salvation. And they see this guy. And, and this is what Luke records in verse 13. He says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished 
and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, there was all this public pressure, and so what are they going to do with them? They, they weren't going to punish them, so they threatened them. Like, be quiet, keep quiet, quit talking about this Jesus, get out of here. And so Peter and John, they rushed back to where the first church was gathering in a room, not probably unlike this one. And here are 120 women and men and kids. And Peter and John arrive, and they tell the story. And Dr. Luke, who's the author of this, he tells us that they prayed. And he actually records this prayer in Acts chapter 4. And here's what he says, beginning verse 24. It says, when they heard this report from Peter and John, it says they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Here's their prayer. Sovereign God. You have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. It's like, hey, God, before, before we, we ask for anything, we just want to remind you and remind ourselves who we're talking to. Sovereign God, there's nothing out of your control. God, God, sovereign God, there's nothing that happens without you knowing about it. You made everything. Here's what they pray. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, and then they quote, they actually quote from the Old Testament. And, and this quote is prediction about the Messiah, that he would be persecuted and mistreated. And so they quote, they say this, this is a quote. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain and the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one? And then they quote the Old Testament and then they bring it to present day. And they're going, well, that's exactly what happened. What you said would happen would happen. Indeed, look, verse 27, Herod and Pontius Pilate, they met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, who you anointed. In other words, it happened just like you said it would. Now, again, if you're new to the Bible, you've got to know that Luke is writing this just in, in the current, it's, it's just a few, a few days after this, like months ago, this happened. And so it's very, it's very fresh. And they're praying and they're saying, God, you're the greatest. You're the sovereign God. You predicted, you told us this was going to happen. And sure enough, it happened in this city right here in front of us just a few days ago. 28, they did what your, prayer, your power uh, and will decided beforehand should happen. The, these first followers, these men and women, believe that none of these events were spiraling out of control. That somehow the sovereign God in his power oversaw even the crucifixion of their friend Jesus. That this all happened according to God's plan. And then look what they pray. Here's the prayer. Luke records the first prayer of the first church, verse 29. Now, God, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. What? Am I reading that right? Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness? You're praying for boldness? You're asking for boldness? I mean, is it boldness what started all of this trouble? Is it boldness what created this problem? Is it boldness what landed you guys in jail? Is it boldness the problem? And, and again, I'm speaking from our 21st century perspective. I mean, as I read this, I'm looking and going like, it doesn't seem like boldness is a problem. I mean, you stepped right out there in the street, Peter, and you preached about Jesus in the resurrection. I mean, I think you got 
boldness covered. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, again, we're talking about boldness here. We're not talking about weirdness. Some, so many things in the church now are weird. I'm not saying that you should pray for weirdness. I'm not saying you should put a bumper sticker on or walk in with a T-shirt that says, Jesus is risen from the dead. I'm not talking about praying for weirdness. We're talking about boldness. You ever considered boldness? In fact, I mean, do you know why the message of Jesus got to the 21st century? It's because these first century followers that they had and they prayed for boldness. I mean, I don't even think about it for the most part. This is just, well, this is what they asked for, for, for boldness. And, and then if you keep reading, they asked for something even more extreme. I mean, check this out. They only asked for two things. Verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Stretch out your hand, Jesus, to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You ever prayed that? Well, no. That's crazy. That's weird. Do you, do you know why this verse has gotten such a bad rap in our culture? Do you, this is weird because Christians do weird stuff in the church. But if you look closely, what are these first followers asking for? Right? They're not asking to do weird stuff in the church. They're asking to be able to go out into the community among people who don't believe and to live their lives in such a way that people who don't believe, people who are skeptical, people that have reasons to be skeptical, people in their neighborhood, people at their office, people at their school, people who, where they live, they're, they're asking that, that they can go out and, and live in such a way that people go, that must be God, only God. I mean, what if? What if we began to pray a version of this prayer? I mean, God, would you please stretch out your hand and do something? Would you do something through me that's beyond me, in my neighborhood, at my office, among my, my anti-God friends, among my anti-church friends, among my, my skeptical friends? God, would you do something through me that's, that's beyond me, with people that are smarter than me, with people, I, I, they bring up stuff and I don't know how to answer them. God, I can't convince them with my power, God. Would you be willing, God, to stretch out your hand and do something unusual, not for my benefit, not in the church, but for the benefit of those who don't believe? Now, this is important, especially if you're new to the Bible. All the miracles in the Bible, the miracles weren't for the sake of the people that the miracles were performed on. Did you know that? In other words, this lame guy in Acts 3, he, he eventually died. See, all the people that were healed in the Bible eventually died. Now, again, it was a good day for them, don't get me wrong, and they were happy about it. But the point of the miracles was so that people would go, oh. Tell me more. See, the point of the miracles was it was pointing to something, or, or better to say, it was pointing to someone. They're asking to be able to go out into the community and to demonstrate the power of God, not for their sake, but for the sake of God who was doing something amazing through them. I mean, could you imagine what would happen here in our church and our community if we began to add to our prayers? Again, I'm not telling you to don't subtract from what, pray everything you've been praying, but what if you added this? What if you added the words from Acts 4? Well, God, would you, would you give me boldness with my friends, with my family? 
I'm afraid to even ask for this because this is scary, but but would you give me the ability to see the opportunities and the boldness to, to take them? And God, would you stretch out your hand? And would you do something through me, something in my sphere of influence, something that would possibly get my friends who've written you off and have written the church off, would you do something through me that would get them to possibly give you another look and give you a second chance? Could you imagine what would happen if we began to pray like these first century believers? I'll tell you what would happen. As we begin to see opportunities to take advantage of because, because God made us that way. See, we were designed to see what you're looking for. I mean, this is part of the human nature. You see what you're looking for. And when you begin to pray, And when I begin to pray, God, make me bolder. God, give me opportunities. God, stretch out your hand. You're going to begin to see things you haven't seen before. And perhaps God is going to do some things God would not have done otherwise. Or I guess we could settle for the $20 Rolex version. Look look how the story wraps up. Luke records this, verse 31. He says, after they prayed, The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and and spoke the word of God boldly. Here's what I'm saying. The way that we pray, the way that I pray is an indication of my faith, my confidence, my trust. And the way that you pray and the way that I pray is an indication if we are on track with God with his mission, with his activity, with his plan for our city. And friends, I don't want to be a church that prays small prayers, weak prayers, boring prayers. I I think we dishonor God with our little prayers. And so God, could could you give me boldness? Could you make me bolder? And God, 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 this freaks me out. But God, could you, could you just stretch out your hand and could you do something in me and through me that people around me would go, whoa. God, I want to be on mission with you. I want to be part of a movement. I want to be part of the church in our city. If we really pray this, you know what I think? I think God's going to answer that prayer for us if we're willing to take the risk. If we're willing to follow and go, God, give me boldness. God, God, help me to be, be bolder. Help me to pray God honoring big prayers. Here's the prayer. Here's the challenge. Every day this week, to write this down straight from Acts 4. Here's the prayer. God, enable me to speak your words with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of of Jesus. Would you be willing to add that to your prayer? Write that down. Can you put it on a, on a three by five card or a post-it note? Would you, would you write that down? Would you put it somewhere? And pray everything you're going to pray. Thank God for the food and, and God, you know, here's the day and, and whatever your normal prayers look like. Just keep those. But then could you add this to it? Enable me God, to speak your words with great boldness. God, would you stretch out your hand and do signs and wonders through the name of Jesus? Could we, as a church, could we as a people begin to pray bigger and bolder 
and scarier and riskier prayers. And I think if we do, God will continue to grow our faith. He will grow our confidence. He will grow our trust in Him. And the challenge to you and the challenge to me is don't settle for the status quo. Don't settle for the comfort. Don't settle for the $20 Rolex version. That's not genuine faith. That's not the real version of Christianity. God is calling us. Jesus is tugging us into something bigger and deeper. And he wants to use us, people like me, broken, flawed people like me, to begin to pray bigger and deeper and grander and bolder and scarier prayers because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. God, I thank you for our church. I thank you for what you're doing among us. And God, this is scary. It feels a little crazy. But God, I look at these men, I look at these women, I look at these kids who are part of this movement, this first church. And God, their boldness, their faith, their confidence in you turned the world upside down. And we believe that we can still do that today. In this crazy, broken world, in this crazy mess that we live in, God, I believe you're at work and you're moving and you're doing amazing things. And God, I want to be part of our church, our people. We want to be part of what you're doing. God, enable us to speak your words with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to do signs and wonders and things beyond what we could even dream or imagine through